Welcome to 2022. I imagined that moment this week and you did not disappoint. That's exactly what I expected. Kind of a weird mix of, yeah, what exactly does that mean? Welcome to 2022. In some ways, yet today and yesterday felt just like the day before, right? Nothing magically changed in that clock turning. What's that? So far, so good? Uh, Don't watch the news. What does it mean? What does it look like to start a new year? I did some some thinking myself and uh, I came up with some words. Reflecting on the past year. Isn't this that kind of that prompt where we kind of begin to think about what happened last year? How many how many go back to their original goals and resolutions and check not a single person. One, three of us. Okay, good. I knew, I knew you would. Reflecting back on what's happened and what we thought it was going to look like at the beginning when we were here last year and what it actually turned out to be. What about restarting some of the engines that have sat silent or maybe ran out of gas? I have a a generator in my garage that goes with our trailer, our camping trailer, and I was cleaning um, yesterday and doing some, and I'm looking at that thing, and I'm wondering, here's what I'm thinking, I wonder if it'll even start. Because I've, I've, we went camping at family camp last July, in July, and then it's sit there ever since. What else is that true of in, in our lives? Are there some engines that we just kind of neglected and need to be fueled up, fired up? How about reconciling relationships that have been ignored or broken? Does that come into your thinking as a new year begins? Are there relationships over this last year that I've neglected, I've ignored, or maybe even they are broken? What about renewing the commitments that you put down on paper last January? I already know your answer to that because nobody even is going back to those. But don't we do that at this time of year? We, we're going to, okay, I'm going to ask this question and you, have, you don't have to answer. How many are willing to raise their hand and say that you're, you started a new diet or you're starting a new diet or exercise this year? I want to see this. Okay, not as many as I expected. Okay, all right. We're just honest, maybe. We're just, we know what that looks like. This is a, a season where we, we look back and we renew some of those commitments, things that we have committed to over the past year, and maybe they have fallen by the wayside. And maybe this is the time where we resolve, we have this word, resolutions, we resolve to do better than we did last year. Anyone? I resolve to do better in my finances. I resolve to do better in my eating habits, my exercising, how I communicate to my, my amazing wife, how I treat you fill in the blank. I resolve to do a better job at work. I resolve to show up on time at church. Anyone? Anyone? <sighs> okay, I was hoping that'd be a big one. We resolve, we, we set ourselves, we say, okay, I wanna do a better job than last year. Now, I've already lost probably half of you because the reality is, and we know this from statistics, that we do this at the beginning of the year. We make these resolutions, these commitments, fresh start, new things, let's do better, and it's maybe 17, I think the last report I read was like 17 to 21 days we've pretty much given up on those things, and I see shaking heads. So for some, you're already questioning why you came to church this morning because you didn't come to get a self-help lecture of how to do better for 2022. And in fact, you might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed already by all that a new year presents. Can I direct our hearts to Matthew chapter 11? 
I reflected on these words in the past week, and I, that maybe these are the sweetest words that have ever been spoken. Jesus is saying to us this morning, he's saying, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And it's only January 2nd, and many of us are very wearied and burdened by what is happening in our world and in our life. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. You'll find rest for whatever it is that you're walking through. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I know we're not a, a, a farming community. This might make more sense, but in, in a nutshell, he's just saying that piece of wood, that, that yoke, that piece of that machinery that connects two animals together so that they can pull and do their work together. He says, I'm offering that to you. Well, who's the other animal? If he's asked, if it, this doesn't sound really restful for to put a big piece of wood with these rings on it and then strap myself to this big piece of wood, who's on the other side? So you, see, you get it, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying life is still going to be, it's going to be work and it's going to be tasks that have to be done. There's, there's a path to be taken. There's a journey that we're on. There's a purpose for your life. And he doesn't say, hey, it's going to be easy but he says, the yoke that I'm asking you to join with me, if you connect to me and walk alongside of me, allow me to lead, and we'll do this together, what you'll find is rest. Isn't that sweet? Come on now. Whatever 2022 holds for us, and we, we think we know, we don't really, we, we have some ideas, but whatever it is that comes, whatever our journey looks like in 2022, as disciples of Jesus Christ, he's inviting us to walk through this year with him, yoked to him, connected to him, holding on to him, him holding on to us. And whatever journey, whatever load we have to bear, whatever load we have to pull, he says, let's do it together. And you'll find rest. You'll find rest. I hope that in those words you hear an invitation and I can't make this happen. Only the Spirit of God can make this happen. And it'll only happen if you will cooperate with him as an individual. That you take this and make it personally, take it personally for you. Not because of Crossroads Church, not because the, the, the speaker up front said that this is, and not, and, and not even just because it shows up in God's word. That's, that's how we know it's true and we can count on it but because it's Jesus personally inviting you and me to live 2022 yoked to him. It'll only happen if you personally see it as an invitation to you and say, okay, and you put on that yoke and say, okay, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm ready, let's go. I hope you hear his invitation. I hope you can take it personally because it's my conviction that each of us no matter who we are or how much we think we got it together or we don't got it together, this is how we need to start the new year. With a commitment, a decision, a letting go, putting down whatever yoke you've put on, laying it down and then putting on the yoke that on the other side is Jesus. And he says, let's go. But let's do this together. We're gonna start this year in the book of First Peter and so I invite you to join me there on your phone or in your Bible we're going to spend the first couple of months of 2022 in this letter that Peter wrote 
to a group of churches in the first century. We know Peter is an apostle. We know Peter personally walked with Jesus, experienced the miracles. He walked on water himself briefly. He went through some tough times with Jesus, right? Jesus called him Satan one time. Woo! You know, he, he, he's, he represents kind of this journey that we might have with Jesus, trusting him, not trusting him, getting who he is, not getting who he is. And from this experience, this life of, of ministry and, and walking alongside of Jesus and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this letter. We call it First Peter. We refer to it as a book in the Bible. It's in the canon, which the early church, church first couple of centuries put together. And we believe it's God's word to us. But don't forget that it's a letter from a man who knew Jesus intimately, writing to a group of people that are struggling in difficult circumstances as followers of Christ. Peter, verse one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the temporary residents dispersed in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So who is Peter writing to? Well, geographically, we're told kind of some specific details, aren't we? This is Asia Minor. This is what we know today as, as Turkey, the country of Turkey primarily. And he's writing to believers, followers of Jesus Christ, and he describes them this way, because geographically, that, this is not us, right? Anybody here visiting from Turkey? No, but this is, we're, we're living in... Maybe it feels like Turkey in Northern California. We, we live here in Northern California. So geographically, we understand he's writing to real people living out their faith in a set of difficult circumstances, and those circumstances will unfold for us as we walk through this book. But if we go a, a deeper layer, here's who he's writing to, and here's where we get pulled in to this invitation, to temporary residents, literally strangers, foreigners, aliens. Temporary residents... Those who don't belong where they're at. A word that we use sometimes today. You're, right now, we're as followers of Jesus, we're living in short-term housing. This is our short-term housing. Geographically, spiritually, socially. We don't believe physically. We're temporary residents. We're aliens. This is not where we belong. He also describes his audience as dispersed or scattered. And he's, 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 he's using the word that was used of the Jewish people when Babylon, Babylon attacked Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed and the Jewish people were dispersed. It happened again in 70 AD when Titus came over and said, you know what, I've had it. Remember Pilate with Jesus and, and, the, and the mobs and oh, we've got to keep control of the, of the Jewish people in Judea. Pilate later lost his job because he couldn't. And eventually the emperor himself, Titus, comes over with an army. And in 70 AD, he pulls down every stone of the temple. And they line up the Jewish people. And they kill a lot of them. And the Jewish people are? They're scattered. They're dispersed. He's using that same phraseology, that same picture. As followers of Jesus, you've been scattered. You've been dispersed in these areas of Asia Minor. And then he says you're chosen. Literally, you're God's choice. I love this word. You're God's choice. God chose you. Can you hover there just for a minute? 
If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's a reflection of God's sovereignty, his, his choosing, and he chose you. He, believe it or not, he chose me to be in his family. Come on now, think about that. So the reality is we're all adopted. Come on. We're all adopted. We all are chosen. I, I was, I don't know why I do this. Every once in a while I think of, I want to get another dog. My dog is lonely during the day, this big giant German shepherd. What, and so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm on my phone and I'm looking at Front Street, um, whatever it's called, where the, where the animals are. And I'm looking at the pictures, the shelter. And I'm looking at the pictures. And I'm going, I would never choose that one. What happened to that one? I'm never choosing that one. Oh my goodness. You know, but I'm, I'm in this mindset of finding the one that I would choose to be a part of our family. Do you realize God did that before any of us even had breath, before the foundation of the earth? God, he didn't look at the shelter, but you, that's where it breaks apart. But he, he knew, in his foreknowledge, he knew you and he knew me. He knew this world. He knew humanity. And he chooses us to be in his family. Amen. Because if it was a shelter, and if all of our mugshots were on that, all of our faces were on that, that website, Jim, is that because you know you'd be passed over? Is that what this means? Because Thank you, because that's what I'm feeling. I'm that, that scrawny, what is that? What's the, what's the breed? I can't even tell what that is. Yeah, runts and other things, yes. And Jesus didn't pass by and go, ugh. No, he said, I, I choose I choose, I choose, I choose. Peter is writing to a group of people that are not, not in their, their permanent homes. They've been dispersed. They're not where they maybe even want to be, but they're chosen by God. He's chosen them according to his foreknowledge. And he has set them apart. He sets us apart. He dedicates us by the Spirit's work for two things, for obedience and for cleansing. For obedience. We understand that word, right? I don't need to unpack that. We like that word? No, not really, yeah. For obedience, you were set apart. You are dedicated to a life of obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you want to boil down following Jesus, if you want to boil down discipleship, if you want to boil down being a Christian to its very essence, this is it. Obedience. Obedience to God. You were chosen, you were dedicated to a life of obedience and for a life of being sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. This is an interesting phrase. Peter is, is borrowing from the Old Testament. It shows up at least three times. One time it shows up when God makes the covenant and the sprinkling of blood is, is, is a part of him making a covenant with people. The second time I found it showing up is when Aaron was, was chosen to be priest and he was dedicated as a priest in the sprinkling of blood was present as a part of that moment. And the third time in Leviticus, it's when a leper is cleansed from his disease and there's sprinkling of blood to indicate the cleansing has taken place. So I've been called to a life that is a covenant relationship with God based on what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm called, I'm dedicated to a life of service, of priesthood, of representing God to others. And I'm called to a life of purity, of being cleansed, being set free, being washed, being purified. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That's who he's writing to. 
Set apart, chosen, dispersed, temporary. So my question to me and to each of us is, is he writing to you? Does that describe you? And the reason this is important is because you're here this morning and there's a danger that, well, I go to church, I'm part of Crossroads Church. I go pretty much every Sunday. And, and then you can make a list of the things that you do. But if you're depending on the things that you do to make this written to you, it's not written to you yet. Do, do you following me? This is written to those who say, yes, Jesus. No to me and yes to him. My, my sin has separated me from God. In fact, the Bible says it makes me his enemy. In fact, it says that I'm in a kingdom of darkness. And what I need is for Jesus to transplant me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into his family, the family of God. How does that happen? It happens through what Christ did on the cross. And my putting faith in that, grabbing a hold of that, holding on to that and letting go of everything else. And then... I can say that I'm just a temporary resident. I'm, I'm dispersed, I'm chosen, and I'm set apart. I hope you hear the invitation in these words that Peter is writing. Is he writing to you? Look at verse 3. Let's, he, he expands a little bit. He makes it practical as well as continuing to be personal. And let's see if this describes us. Verse 3. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. According to his great mercy, he's given us a new birth. Let me unpack for you. Let me remind you what it looks like to be temporary, dispersed, chosen, and set apart. Here, here's, here's the foundation of it. Here's, let me unpack it. Praise God, because it's his mercy that has given us new birth, birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into a new birth into an inheritance, not, not just... Give me a few minutes here. I want you to stay with me on this sentence. This is amazing. Into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading. We know what the word inheritance means? Yeah, you get it. It's yours. Why? Because you're in the family. It is now your birthright. It's what you have coming to you. You've been born, because of his mercy, we've been born into a living hope, and we've been born into an inheritance that is imperishable. It won't decay. It won't fall apart. Moth and rust cannot destroy. Mold can't ruin it. There's nothing that can touch it. It's uncorrupted. It means to be undefiled, untainted in any way. It can't be corrupted. Nobody has the authority to corrupt the inheritance that God has for his children. Nobody can do that. Satan cannot do that. No authority on this earth that we, that we interact with has no authority, period, has the ability to corrupt, to, dement, to taint or defile the inheritance that God has for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's uncorrupt, it's unfading. This word is funny. It means that it, it stays shiny. <laughs> you ever wash your car and clean up your car and it's like, whew, it looks good. And then, you know, the next morning, the rain, or you take it out, whatever, or just driving it on the road. We went to L.A. and back over the holidays, and I'm telling you, my wife's car is a mess. It was shiny when we left. What happened? This inheritance that, that is ours through faith in Christ, it retains its brightness, its shininess. Nothing can diminish how good it is. 
Hallelujah. Praise the, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because in his great mercy he's given us a new birth. We've been born again into a living hope. Literally it means a hope that is alive. It's not dead. It's not old. It's not out of touch. It's alive. It has life in it. It's a hope that is living. And with that hope, we've been born into an inheritance. It's imperishable, it's uncorrupted, and it's unfading. And catch this, it's kept in heaven for you. It's kept in heaven for you. Who's keeping it? Well, you're being protected. Look at the next verse. You're being protected. Literally, you're being watched over. You're being held by what? God's power through faith. See, the catalyst is your faith, the Spirit of God working in us, and we respond in faith. This morning, right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us, not me. I, I am immaterial. I'm just a voice. I'm a willing voice. I want to be his voice, but I'm just a voice. What, what is critical right now in this moment, whether you're watching online or you're here, is that you hear God's voice. You hear the Spirit of God, because he's promised to speak to you through his word. And so he is speaking to each of us. And the response to his voice is always the same. It's faith. I believe. I trust. I, I will grab a hold of that. I will, yes. My answer is yes. Why would you say yes to God? Because I have faith, because I believe. I believe that this is true. This, this plan of mercy that God has given us new birth into a living hope and I have an inheritance waiting for me in heaven and that is protected by God and nothing can diminish it. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can unravel it. It's good. And he's holding it for me while I'm walking on this earth. He's holding it for me and who's holding me while I walk on this earth? He is. The same power that holds that inheritance. If you believe heaven is real and it's secure, and one day you will spend eternity with him, you're, you're convinced that he's done that. He's gone away, prepared a place for you. And there's a place for you in heaven because of Jesus Christ and your faith in him. If you're convinced that is true, be just as convinced that he's holding you right now. The same power that keeps that. Satan can't touch that. He's holding you and me right now. We're being protected by God's power through faith. And our response is always the same. Should be faith. We are trusting him. Look at it says there at the end of verse 5. Trusting him for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm not fully experiencing my salvation in Christ. Would you agree? You know how I know that? Because when I got up this morning, I realized that I had not yet been truly set free from the consequences of sin and death. You should have smelled my breath. It was death. <laughs> what happened while I was sleeping? Did I eat bugs? What in the world? See, I haven't fully experienced that, have I? But by faith, I know that's my inheritance, my hope. It's a living hope. That's my future. And it's being held in place by God's power through faith for this salvation that it's going to be fully revealed in the last time. Can I give you a couple of thoughts and jot them down, if you will? God offers us a living hope. Man, grab onto that. God offers us a living hope. It cannot be killed. God offers us a secure hope. It cannot be taken away from us. And God offers an eternal hope. 
It cannot be diminished in any way. It cannot be hindered. God will never, ever be caught off guard by what's happening in this world, by Satan and his minions and his attacks and his plans. God will never be caught off guard by what happens in your marriage or in your family or in your job or in your health. Never. He'll never be caught off guard and go, oh, what do I do now? Oh, this changes things. Hold on a second. Let me figure this. That's what we do, but not God. The hope that we have in him is all this and more. It's a living hope. It's a secure hope. It's an eternal hope. And ultimately, it's rooted in the love that God has for you and me. And we know that will never end. You with me? You ever get tired of, tired, tired of being around somebody? Now, come on now. I don't, don't answer out loud because I don't want to do Matt and I. We'll have to do a bunch of marriage counseling in the coming weeks. <laughs> but you know there's that moment, right? We're like, ugh, you know? It happened to me on my time in L.A. with my wife's family. I love my wife's family, but there was a time where, you know what? I'm ready to go home. I no longer, that'll never happen with God and you. There'll never be a moment throughout all of eternity where God goes, will go, what was I thinking? <laughs> Sam, really? What? No, I chose Sam. I chose him from that lineup. And I put him in my family. And I will love him. I, love, I loved him before he was born. I loved him in his mother's womb. I've loved him every day that he's been on this earth. And I will love you, God says, for eternity. Amen? He'll never get tired. It's his love. So what do we do with this? We grab a hold of it. For some this morning, you might need to be reminded of this. Others might be hearing this for the first time, and you're wondering, is the, could this be true? Is this for me? I'll say it again. This is God's invitation to each of us. No matter what you came into this room with, whatever your past has been, whatever your conversation with God has been in the past, right now his conversation with you is I love you and I want you in my family and this hope can be yours through faith in Jesus Christ. So how do we, what does this look like as we move through 2022? Look at verse six. He says, you rejoice in this. I heard you say amen. I heard you say hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is amazing, is it not? Come on, this hope that we have, this inheritance, this new life, you rejoice in this, amen? That's the best you can do. You rejoice in this, of what God has done for us. Man, this is good. It breaks. Though now, for a short time, short time, I'm 60 years old. We have people in here that are 80 years old, maybe older, 90s maybe, 90s. A short time, yes. Yes, stay with me. For a short time, you've had to struggle. The word literally means being distressed. You've had to live in this distressed state through various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, excuse me, gold is temporary, it's gonna perish one day, but it, it is purified, right? It's refined through the process of heat, through fire, so that the genuineness, the authenticity, the proving of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Peter, Peter says, I get it. This is amazing stuff. This is so good. We come to church. We hear this. We remind us. We come to the Lord's table. He loves us. This is incredible that he chose me. But I got to walk out of here and I got to go back to living in Northern California in 2022. 
and I got to go back living in my family and my workplace and my neighborhood, and I got to live with me and all my brokenness. My life has struggles in it. It has testing in it. It has trials. There's distress. And Peter goes, yeah, I get it. But know this. This is the period of time where your faith is being tested. It's being proven in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of that trial, those trials. Why? You ever want to ask God why? Why, why pain and suffering? Couldn't you, couldn't you have, what if you... Why pain and suffering? Why trials? Why, why the brokenness and the consequences of sin? Couldn't you just deal with it? Peter says, you rejoice in this inheritance, this new birth, this living hope, but the reality is you're living in a world as strangers, as dispersed, you're living in a world facing various trials so that the outcome, the result, would be praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise, glory, and honor to who? Me? Man, was I, can you believe how faithful of a disciple I was in 2021? And in, is it about me? Is it about us? Who's it about? Amen. It will bring praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him. I love this, this, this moment because this is, somebody, this is written by somebody who has seen him. Yes? Peter, I, I picture him reflecting on what he remembers about Jesus, maybe special moments that he had with him, sitting around the campfire, or maybe when Jesus was holding him, when he walked on water and then he sank and Jesus reached down, and I know the pictures show him holding him by his pinky, but more likely Jesus grabbed him and held him, and, and Peter was holding on to him, and they walked back to the boat. Maybe he's reflecting on that moment. He says, you love him, though you've not seen him. Oh, I've seen him. You've not seen him and yet you love him and though not seeing him now, you believe in him. You've put your faith in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. What is he saying? He's saying you're people of faith, you're people of love and you're people of hope. You need to live by faith, you need to be known by love and you are voices of hope in the midst of these trials and challenging moments that 2021 has been and 2022 will likely be. You love him though you've not seen him, and though not seeing him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, he just explained what that is. What, what, is, the, what is the goal of my faith? Well, it's my inheritance. It's untouched. It's uncorruptible. It un can't be messed with. It's mine. But it's also the goal of my salvation is that he is holding me right now, isn't he? The same power that preserves that also has me now. And I'm safe in his arms. And as I walk through the difficulties and the challenges of 2022, God will never let go. And if I trust him, here's what it'll look like. My faith, the roots, my spiritual roots will go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And when the salvation is revealed to the universe, what it actually looks like, we don't, we don't know what it, yeah, because we, in that day we'll see him as he is and we'll have a body likened unto him. Don't be discouraged in thinking that this is what eternity will look like. It's not. And when that's all made, it's all revealed and it's all made known, my life of faith will bring him honor, praise, and glory. The whole universe will look on that. And not just me, but all those who love his appearing. Love his return. 
What does that mean? What does 2022 look like? Can I, can I make it simplified without being simplistic? Will you allow me to do that? We trust God, we love God, and we praise God. We love him, we trust him, and we praise him, no matter what we walk through. When you leave this morning, you look at that, that writing on the back wall. You live by faith, you become known by love, and all that you say and do and you live a voice as a voice of hope in a world that desperately needs to know what hope really is. Amen? Amen. That's what 2022 looks like for us. Now this is bigger than just us. The last couple of verses here in our text this morning. Verse 10. Concerning all this, concerning this salvation that we've been speaking of, all that I've been telling you that you have in Christ, let me do a little reflecting, Peter says. Let me take you back. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, they searched and they carefully investigated. What does that mean? It means an Isaiah or a a Joel or a Micah or a David or or an Abraham or a Moses and the voice of God spoke. Remember, Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 3, one day a child will come and, and Satan will bruise the heel of man, but the child will crush the head of Satan. What in the world? When is this going to happen? We've talked about this recently, right? We always want to know when. When? When your child tells you, and I just looked over, sorry, but you prompted this, parents of teenagers, and your, and your child says, I'll do this, what do you want to know? When? I'll take out the trash, Dad, I promise. I'll change my attitude. I'll do things differently. I'll stop. When will you do that? And the prophets, God is speaking to them and he's saying, this is what I'm going to do. Isaiah, there's going to be a child, he's going to be born and he's going to be the king of the universe. The government's going to rest on his shoulders. He's going to be the king of peace. He's going to be all this. He's the anointed one, the promised one. He's going to come and fulfill God's plan for the universe. And the prophet said, when? When is this going to happen? They searched carefully investigating when this was going to happen. They inquired, it says, Peter says, They inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating. Was he telling them a time? Was he telling them the circumstances when he testified in advance, when he gave them this prophecy, this glimpse in advance to the messianic sufferings and glories that would follow? When is this going to happen? When is a baby going to be born in Bethlehem? We just celebrated that. In a couple of months we'll celebrate this. When is God going to take on human form and, and be, give his life and then he'll be buried? And Isn't that all told to us in the Old Testament? It was. It is. God gives this to these, these, these prophets, but make them human. That's what Peter's doing. Like, okay, but when? When? Isaiah, when he's in that pit in the mud. When? Who's the guy that laid on his side for a year? Was that Hosea? Ezekiel. He's about month tw- nine, maybe. When? When? You with me? You with Peter? He's saying they were given these, these pictures, they were given this, this re- revelation of the Messiah, the Spirit of Christ within them is indicating what's going to happen. And they're saying, well, what's the time and what's the circumstances? And it was revealed to them. Here's their answer. When? When are you going to do this? You ready for the answer? We're going to love this answer. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but us. Not in your lifetime. Isn't that what Hebrews tells us? Chapter 11, 
right? Is it 11? And he, you know, they didn't receive the promise. They didn't get to see this fulfilled. You see, it's bigger than them. It's bigger than us. Let me close with these thoughts, and, and I want to ask you to, to write down some questions. My time is up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quick. I'm going to talk quick. And if you don't catch this, come see me afterwards. But would, can I encourage you to write down three questions? And as you're getting ready, let me tell you this. What, we, what we're reading this morning, it's God's invitation to you. You've got to take it personal. You've got to make it personal. This is God's invitation to you. This is God's heart for us right now in 2022. Yes, in California. Yes, in all that comes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right now, right here, this is God's invitation. It's his heart for us. And this is still God's plan for the world. Are you, are you hearing me? Yes. I want to make sure that we, we're on, on the same page, that we're tracking together. Nothing has changed with God's plan. Jesus is not out of date, out of touch. He's not irrelevant or, or whatever word you want to put. He's not just a man. He's not just a good teacher. He is the king of the universe, and he is the savior of mankind. And I will stand on that, and I, I, would, I hope I don't have to, but I hope that I'd be willing to give my life for that, if that's what it came down to. In spite of all the changes in our world, that has not changed. We can stand on that, on that inheritance and on that holding, that yoke, with confidence. It's God's plan for the world. Let me give you three questions, and I encourage you, I urge you to give some serious thought to these, and then I'm done. Have I accepted God's invitation? Can I ask you that, and you won't feel judged, or you won't feel, if you're a Christian, please don't take it, that, well, why is he asking me that? I'm asking that because I never want to take for granted that anyone that I know and love, anyone in this family is assuming that, yeah, they're good with God, but you've never embraced his invitation. You've never made it your own. You've never said, yeah, that's me. I'm a sinner. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't make this work on my own. I can't fix what's wrong with me, what's broken with me, my relationships. The problem is me. And I don't have, no matter how hard I try, that's not going to change. I need Jesus. I need him to fix what's wrong with me. I need him to cleanse me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to wash me clean. I need him to provide life, hope, mercy, grace. Have I accepted God's invitation? If you have not, if your honest conclusion in your heart right now is no, I haven't, would you do so right now? In a moment, we're going to sing. There's, there's going to be people praying on the sides. There's, there's a kneeling bench up here. But you can do it in your, in your chair as well. Know this. God is fully aware of your heart right now. And he is speaking to you. And if you have not accepted his invitation, he's asking you right now to accept his invitation. Because he loves you. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter who you are, who you have been or haven't been. Doesn't matter your age. If you hear God speaking to you and saying, I love you, I want you in my family, Respond to his invitation. Confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead and you're saved. Question number two. Let's take some, take some uh, self-examination. Was I a voice of hope in 2021? I'm not asking you to say it out loud. I'm asking you to think about this. And here's the second part of that question. If not, what was I a voice of? Was I a voice of frustration? Was I a voice of complaining? Was I a voice of anger? Was I a voice of fear? Was I a voice of insecurity? Was I a voice of selfishness and self-centeredness? And you all say, well, probably at moments, yes. 
But when I look collectively at the year 2021, I want to answer that question, was I a voice of hope in 2021? And it may be that you conclude yes, it may be that you conclude no, I encourage you to write down what you were a voice of, and then that's what we confess to God, amen? That's what we confess to God, that's what we repent of, and here's the third question, what will it take for me to be a voice of hope in 2022? What will it take? What needs to go? What needs to be rearranged? What needs to be added? What, re- what relationships need to be reconciled? Where do I need to give forgiveness? Where do I need to receive forgiveness? Where do I need to, tra- you, with, you tracking with me? I don't want to, you gotta you got fill that in. But what does it look like? What is it gonna take for Kurt Pearson to be a voice of hope in 2022? If these things are, are true that we just read about this morning, like Peter, praise God, this is amazing. But for a short time, for 2022, we're gonna have to walk through various trials and testing. And if you and I live by faith, we allow the Holy Spirit to deepen our faith, here's what we can look forward to. Not only the inheritance, but we get to be a part of the gathering, the group of people, that the universe, the angels themselves, we'll see next week. Maybe it was this week. Maybe I didn't even, did I read it? I didn't, I didn't read it. Did, oh, did you, thank you, Ron, for catching that. Notice the end of our text. It was revealed to them they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. You know these things because it's been proclaimed to you from heaven. Angels desire to look into these things. There's verses in Corinthians too, 1 Corinthians, where the angels are going, what in the world are you doing, Jesus? And they're looking at the same shots, the same pictures at the, the shelter going, really? You pick them? You choose them? Those are your family? What in the world are you doing? If we live by faith through this season that he's placed us in, we get to be a part of the collective group that the universe looks at and goes, wow, I'm giving praise, glory, and honor to Jesus. You you tracking with me on that? I want to be a part of that group that the universe looks at and says, wow, look at Jesus did. And they give Jesus praise, glory, and honor. Can we do that now? Can we do that now? Can we give him praise? Gloria, now would you allow me just to pray and, and then maybe give some instructions that I maybe forgot. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for a love that before the foundation of this earth was put in place, before creation happened, it was your commitment, your heart, that you would sacrifice your sons And Jesus, you were committed to coming. And Holy Spirit, you were equally unified around this plan that you would indwell those that put their faith in Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for your love for us, for this world. In Jesus' name, amen.